Hello, welcome back to Dreadcast. I'm your host, Shaza Shah. This is an audiobook podcast series of original short stories that I've written and narrated featuring music composed and produced by So Frozen Music. If you'd like to support the show, check out redcastaudio.com. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Share the podcast with your friends, and uh, you can even buy some merchandise if you'd like. I want to thank those of you who've waited and stuck around, and this is for you. This is probably the best one yet, I promise. It will have been worth the wait. Thank you for uh, listening. And without further ado, Dreadcast Episode 3, Confessions. Written and narrated by Shaza Shah. Father, I have come for a confession. I knelt on the steps of wood that sat before me on the floor of the confessional. The church was empty, hollow inside, like the eyes of a corpse, but I could feel his presence on the other side of the standing coffin. Though not even a whisper wandered through the pews when I had made my way into the box. I could just about make out his silhouette as I peered forwards, beams of light shining through small perforations around his figure. It had been years since I'd last set foot in one of these places, let alone this place. It looked as if even God had stopped attending. My wife was a devout believer. She was raised in this church. Eventually, it was all that she had left. That was, of course, when she was my wife, now I haven't even seen her face in years. I don't know what happened or where she disappeared, really, along with the rest of the church. I remember the years before marrying her, how my heart would feel heavier at just the sight of her. It was magnetic. I even started attending this church, hoping to catch a glimpse of her gentle gaze. I fabricated an idea of who she might be, a fantasy of someone that really was never real. I loved the person I had created. She could never live up to that imperfect, perfect dream that I had conjured. She was never particularly expressive except for our last day together, the night she left. I finally got a taste of that expression that I longed for from her, albeit for a moment. She had never really felt the way I did for her, or at least she let me think so. As we came together, we fell apart. Though we tried our best, not even the child we brought into the world could hold us together. It was magnetic. I lived my life through my work instead. That was what would define me. That was what eventually shattered the cracked ice that we had stood upon. It was another woman. She was assigned as my partner, working together on homicide. It sounds morbid, but after seeing the depravity of what people are capable of, you try and find that little bit of goodness 
wherever you may. I found it with her. She found out I was married and she left, transferred to another city. Then my wife found out and she too would leave. I sunk myself further into my work and she had sunken herself into the church. I never went back and I never saw her again. The church had seemingly vanished one day. Each of their members were not to be heard from again, not until it happened. I was left in my world of killers and blood investigating men who would wind up walking the streets as free men because of the evidence we lacked, only for them to kill again. For us to find our evidence only too late, walking into this church, I was reminded that someone was supposed to be looking out for us. But not out there. There I saw the things man was capable of, and I realized that God had left us long ago. There is no one looking out for us anymore. What is your sin, my child? His voice was gentle. If it weren't for the emptiness of the church, I might not even have heard him. Father, I have come for a confession. I've been having urges. Urges to kill. I'm planning on killing someone. I want to put a hole in their head. I want to hold them as they bleed in my clothes and squeeze the life out of their body. There was silence for a moment. Officer, business can't be so bad that you are forced to investigate your own killings. His smug, ugly voice crawled from the side of the confessional. He knew who I was. He must have seen me coming through the gaps as I entered the building. You and I both know that there's no shortage of killings, Father. I paused for a second to see his reaction. Ah, may God have mercy on us then. You know damn well what's been going on. You know why I'm here. The killings. We've got men responsible for each of them. Everyone's satisfied, but not me. I've noticed something, Father. The priest stayed quiet. I went on. They've all been connected in one way or another to this church. There was Thomas Burns, a man we arrested for carving another man's stomach open while he was still alive. He emptied his bowels and fed back to him, forcing slabs of intestine down his throat. When he was finished, he slit his own throat and bled to death. Before that, he was just a regular guy, worked at a burger place, no priors. His friends and family said he was a good man, that this wasn't like him. He even went to church every Sunday. I believed them. I knew him from church, too. This church. You believe that I knew he was going to do something like that? How could I possibly have known? How am I to be responsible if one of my parish loses his mind and starts killing people? Well, this is absurd. James Hudson, 19. Showed up to the call center he worked at one day, a loaded shotgun between his arms, ready to paint the walls red. He lined his manager's skull with 12 rounds. There was nothing left but a stump where his head had been. James reloaded his gun and fired a single shot in his own mouth. I knew the boy's parents. They had taken him to this church every Sunday since he was a boy. A tragedy, truly, but a lot of people are members of this church. I cannot be responsible for all of what they do. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you had no idea these people were thinking of doing these things. Maybe people just flip out sometimes. 
do crazy shit for no reason. Like Jessica Hyde, age 25, walked into a firm for a consultation with her lawyer. She took a moment to slip some gloves on before she doused them in acid and burned through attorney's corneas with her thumbs. She took him down and gnawed at his throat. When security finally managed to break down the barricades on the door, they found her hanging by her neck over his body, as well as a noose, a crimson crucifix hung from her neck. She was a choir girl. A choir girl in this godforsaken church, just a coincidence, am I right? Well, you see, you see, I would have thought so too, but then there was Tom Castle, 16. With a black hood over his head, cloaked in shadow, on the cold of a winter's night, he walked to an apartment from the plains of nowhere, picking the lock of the door, he crept into his own father's apartment. He walked through the living room and into the kitchen, taking a blade meant for slicing through slabs of meat into his hand. He slowly climbed through the empty home and creaked into the bedroom. He leaned over his sleeping father, his breath beating onto his face. His breath was so hard that his father awoke. He awoke to see that glistening blade inches away from him. Without recognizing who held it, he kicked the boy to the ground and reached for the pistol in his door. He pulled back the latch and slid a fresh magazine into the bottom of his gun. His hands didn't shake. They swerved to the edge of his bed, both hands covering the grip, waiting for the intruder to rise from the other end, thinking maybe he'd look him in the eyes before he ended his life. It felt like forever. I know, father, I know. When the boy rose from the floor, his hood slipped away, and his father looked upon his face. Shocked to see his boy, those steady hands of his trembled and squeezed the trigger as a reflex of a surprise. A single shot to the torso. Fatal. That was years of experience guiding the bullet. The boy fell back to the floor as if he was being lowered into his grave. His father sprung from the bed to take the boy into his hands. My boy, father, that was my boy. Before he slipped away, he told me. He told me that father had sent him to punish my sins. His last words were of a shepherd that guided him to the truth. You brainwashed him. That was my boy who you brainwashed. You made him hate me. That was the first time I had seen him since his mother, him, and the whole damn church disappeared. My boy. He wasn't like that. I know he didn't have that in him. You did something to him. You did something to all of them. That's why I'm here, Father. I'm not here to confess. I'm here for your confession. My breath hastened. I felt my heart pulsating as if it was traveling up through my chest and into my throat. I felt as if I could vomit my beating heart through my mouth. <laughs> A shrill cackle cut through my ears. I'm sure that's the way you see it. From your point of view, I see things a little differently. The seminary was all I had known as a child. I grew up in those walls after I had been left at its footsteps as an infant. They raised me as one of their own, of course, teaching me the ways of goodness and godliness. 
educating me of the sins of mankind, their greed, their wrath, their envy, their lust. I was a quiet boy without any to call friend. You see, the other children, they started to notice things. Wherever I was, something wicked would soon follow. Now, was I to blame for this? Of course not. I was only a boy. A boy who could tell another who had misbehaved and used foul language, for example, that he had committed a grave sin and that he should cut out his tongue in repentance. Of course, he did. Though the example he had already set had already spread like a virus. To dissuade them, I whispered a command for him to do the same to others he caught, using foul language. Of course he did. The Lord's command lived in my whisper. Before I was almost a man, the elders would soon find out of what I was capable. They called me devil. They called me ghoul. They tried to kill me as if I was a, a monster. And, of course, they could not. They had bound me and bathed my body in flames. The fire licked my skin and the heat poured into my body, though I survived without even the faintest trace of a burn. <laughs> I laughed and I danced in the oceans of red fire that they had poured onto me, my bones blackening from within. I had tasted the wrath of these hypocrites, and I showed them that I had not forgotten what they had taught me. The man they had raised me to become, I did. I delivered a divine punishment upon them. I can see now. It was all a test for me. I fled the land in which I was raised so that I could use what the seminary had taught me, so that I could punish the wicked and the sinful. If I was to make a real impact, I knew I could not do this alone. I became a member of an old church that I sought refuge by. I saw the other followers, how they had poured their hearts into serving the Lord. Their service was repaid by another hypocrite, the priest who would pocket their money and lead them into the fire. Fire that I had tasted, I refused to let them suffer as I did. I could see the sins of each man before me the way you might see the stars in the night sky. The precincts glared at me, almost blinding me. I refused to let him lead my brothers and sisters, for I would become their keeper. I took him apart like a plaything, taking his image for my own, accepting his role as the parish's father. My children confessed to me, and I would forgive them if they would follow my command. I whispered for them to repent and punish the sinners in their lives. They punished the gluttonous pigs who feasted upon fat and blood and meat, stuffing their fat faces with fried food and fizzy drinks. They spilled the blood of their oppressors and those who would use them to gain only their own benefit. They blinded the greedy so that they could no longer desire all that their eyes could seek. They would mutilate the adulterers who would dare to destroy sacred bonds in the homes that they lived in. Your son hated you. Shut your goddamn mouth, you sick freak. What the hell are you even talking about? What the hell is wrong with you, you deluded piece of shit? 
I backed away from the divide between him and I, horrified at what he was saying, wanting to disbelieve, to think he was lying. He was ill, so really, mentally ill, that's what it had to be. You sick animal, I'm going to... The door of the confessional had been locked. I heard footsteps riding across the floor outside the confessional, though I knew the priest was still sat inside with me. I beat the door with my palms to push it open, but it wouldn't as much as budge. The light from the outside peering in had begun to dim. Walls of darkness began closing in on me inside that small box. Do you know what the best part is, officer? I didn't even have to whisper to your son. He chose to do it himself after I told him of what you really are. <laughs> Hot blood rushed across my face. My eyes widened and my jaw clenched as he snickered. The muscles in my body became tense and my nerves sparked with pure electricity. The sickness and hate poured from my breath. I reached into my holster to draw my pistol and opened fire the other side of the confessional. The flash of the muzzle briefly lit my surroundings with each pull of trigger. I screamed and panted as I loaded the full clip of my magazine into the divider. Smoke swam through the air around me as I recovered from the jolt of adrenaline pulsing through me. I leaned forward and threw the splintered wood into the side of his box. As the smoke cleared, it was empty. I felt a hand on my shoulder and heard someone whisper in my ear. <laughs> 